friends. Welcome to Free and Light, a podcast designed to help you slow down and live in rhythm with Jesus so that you can experience life to the full. I'm your host, Tim Shelton, and I am so glad you're joining us this week. In our last episode, we gave you a short preview of a conversation I had with my friends, Rick Barry and Justin Powell, pastors in two local churches here in Michigan. And today we're going to share the entire conversation, which focuses on our spiritual practice this month. You guessed it, scripture. So if you missed episode eight, go back and check it out. And it's going to give you a little context for why we believe scripture is so important in our spiritual rhythm. All right. Now, before we jump into this interview, I've got to give you some context for my conversation with Rick and Justin. I met both of these guys through an experience we offer at Sequel called Refresh. Now, you might be wondering, what is Refresh? It is a one-year adventure for men who are tired and worn out. Men who you might say are desperate for a change and they'll do whatever it takes to recover their life. Now, as I say that, you might be wondering, wait, didn't you say these two guys were pastors? Pastors get tired? They question their faith? They get weary? Uh, Newsflash. Yes. And if you're a pastor listening, you know that's probably been true in your life. You might be surprised to know that 30 to 40% of all of the people who come to our experience at Sequel, they actually work in ministry. And the truth is that working in the local church is really hard. Uh, Sometimes it's even lonely. And we often find that very few people are investing back into those working in ministry. If you know, if you work in ministry, you know that this is true. And so what happens is that someone in ministry, you sort of pour out all you have into people and you just find nobody pouring back into you. And that was exactly the case with Rick and Justin, each in their own way. They were tired and worn out. What you'll hear from Justin is he didn't even know he was tired and worn out and it kind of hit him at some point, but they each needed to let Jesus refresh their soul. And what came from that journey for both of them was transformational. For Justin, he ended up planting a church in Milan, Michigan, and Rick found this new sense of mission that is, is still unfolding. It's going to be really beautiful to watch and see what happens. All right, guys, some of you might be listening and wondering, give me more information about Refresh and how do I get in? So here's all you got to do. Go to sequel.org slash refresh, and you can find out all about it. In fact, we have an application process for Refresh that begins really soon. So if you're tired, if you're worn out, if you might even use the words desperate, apply for refresh and let us help you find life to the full as Jesus teaches it. All right, now back to the conversation with Rick and Justin. Like I said, they're great friends of mine who challenge me and have been great sources of wisdom in my life, especially around this topic of how to let scripture form us How does it form our thinking? And ultimately, how do we follow Jesus? We talked for over an hour, and I'll just tell you, we had to edit this down just a little bit for your listening pleasure. But as we jump in, let me tell you this. This conversation is pure gold. Here's my conversation with my friends, pastors, Rick Berry and Justin Powell. I am here with Justin Powell and Rick Barry. Justin's a husband and father of two. He's a little league baseball coach. He's a ref, basketball ref. Hunting enthusiast and the founding pastor of Fieldstone Church. Little known fact, 
Justin Powell is one of the most talented people I know at things that actually don't matter. Any yard game, can jam, cornhole, kickball, trust me, you have zero chance of winning. He has a freakish ability to dominate even the most competitive of, of us all. Justin, welcome to Free Light. Yes, sir. Carney games. Isn't Carney that what we games, call them? That's it. Carney games. That's it. Carney <laughs> games. Rick Barry is a husband, father of four, graduate of Michigan State, diehard Michigan State fan, unhealthy, I'll say it now, unhealthy love of Michigan State, teaching pastor at Oak Point Church, and a fun fact, I know you guys didn't know this, Rick got his undergrad degree in accounting. It's true. Oh I'm a recovering accountant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 When I sit here, I'm like... We have a pastor and an accountant in the room. That sounds like the start to a great joke. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Rick, welcome to Free Light. Hey, everyone. Fellas, uh, I think you've met each other officially for the first time today, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. A couple of uh, fun facts. You have a couple important things in common with each other. One, you both know Adam Mashney. Oh, yeah. The best. The best, right? Yeah. Yep. One yep. of the best there is. All right. So you both know Adam Mashney. Uh, and he's actually the one that introduced, uh, well, Rick, you to me anyway, you're both pastors. Mm-hmm. So you hung up the accounting yeah, credentials, yeah. <laughs> hung up my uh, pocket calculator for, uh, <laughs> for a Bible. <laughs> but do you still like a spreadsheet? I do. Yeah. yeah I'm still too. pretty type A. Okay. That's yeah, what I figured. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> you're both Spartan fans, which I actually had a joke planned here, but then I learned, Justin, you are actually a Spartan fan. Uh, I, I walk the fence these days. It's safer that way. All right. Safer for me, safer for everyone else. There's a lot of Michigan fans in my church, so just got to be careful. About okay. That. All right. Yeah. So maybe we'll delete that part <laughs> from the podcast. <laughs> and you are in Ann Arbor territory. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Kind of on the outer ring of Ann Arbor metro area, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Here's the other thing you have in common. You both are Refresh alumni. Yes, sir. Yeah. Justin in the original group long time ago and have uh, served in some of the other groups that have come through and Rick in group four. Yeah. Just uh, finished up recently. Uh, Rick, tell me about your experience at Refresh. Oh man, that was such a, a sweet year. I, I loved that time. You know, I, I, I needed Refresh because I was exhausted. I was tired. Um, I felt like every area of my life was just running on fumes and uh, everyone was getting the scraps. And so, yeah, Adam, he, he in, invited me to a one day and, uh, and I went to a one day where I just spent the day uh, slowing down. And uh, it just was so clear after that day that that is what my heart needed. And so uh, I got an email not too long after about Refresh opening up and um, Adam and myself and another one of our friends uh, had a conversation about, hey, how cool would this be if we did it together? Mm. And, uh, and that was about all we needed. That was about all the motivation. So we signed up and that year journey was, was a gift. I mean, it was, it was such a gift. And uh, mm. yeah. Well, so you said tired and worn out. Um, that can mean a lot of different things, different people specifically what was the catalyst? Like what were you seeing inside of yourself that were like, man, I'm, I I feel a little broken right now. Yeah. I think, uh, I think one of the big things was that, um, I wasn't present with my family, you know, like I wasn't present with my kids, with my wife. 
Um, and I was watching different areas of those relationships just kind of uh, be the collateral damage from a heart that was dry. And so I would have these mood swings, you know, I would have a million dollar reaction to a dollar problem, you know, and, and, uh, and, and it was just clear. I had all these kind of little things that were showing me like the way I'm doing life right now is not working. Um, but I wasn't changing anything. I was just doing the same thing mm. and I was getting the same results. And so, um, and so, yeah, it was God's timing and, and working through uh, just a simple invitation from Adam, try this thing That's out awesome. that uh, that changed, uh, yeah. I believe, very much the trajectory of my life. So awesome, Justin, you came to refresh kicking and screaming. It was a little different back then. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, in its current form, I may not have made it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not sure I would have made it through the application. I mean, forget the process. I probably wouldn't have even applied. Um, uh, I'm it I think it just wasn't really a felt need for me at the time but um responded to the invite I, I think between Bill and Adam and got me to the first one that I came to um because I I mean I wasn't afraid of it, it was, sounded fun it's guys I liked uh the, the idea of a retreat in church world very familiar with that of course so yeah cool and you're an introvert so like getting away to be by yourself you're like sign me yeah yeah you know, yeah some quiet time right. yeah um but yeah, so it, it probably took me, man, shoot, you were there, Tim, what, two, two and a half refreshes to mm -hmm. really kind of figure out, oh, this is for me. Yeah. I uh, remember after the first one, I'm like, yeah, he ain't coming back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thankfully, I, I do respond to peer pressure as much as I wouldn't want to admit it. But uh, yeah, came back and, and it took a good couple times to really kind of catch on to what we were trying to do. Um, and but but once it clicked, it it made all the difference. Like like Rick said, just realizing, oh my gosh, uh, I check email every three minutes. Oh my gosh, I can't put my phone down. Oh my gosh, why, why am I busy all week and all weekend? What you know? What what is this doing? Um, and there were some things going on in your life under the covers, which is why we invited you. Yeah. That you know we didn't know specifically what was going on, but like you know something's off. Yeah. And, and so what were some of those things? Cause I, I remember when the light bulb went off and you're like, mm -hmm. Oh, well, what, the area that I saw starting to manifest in my life was, um, kind of the giving over of my future, the giving over of my identity to other human beings, people who didn't deserve it, but also didn't ask for it. But just in my pursuit of what I thought I was supposed to be chasing down in, in life and in ministry, it was like, okay this person holds the keys to my future. And so I need to do X, Y, and Z to make sure they approve, they accept it, they move me on to the next phase. If I let them down, I've let myself down and my family. And like everything got poured into that thing mm -hmm. and placed in that person's hands, um, into those people's hands. Um, and all of a sudden, in, in a lot of ways, those people became an idol. The pursuit of the next thing became an idol. The, the busyness became an idol. Um, mm -hmm. And... Uh, something that had to be dealt with. So in a lot of ways, Refresh became a pretty significant uh, fork in the road. Yeah. You had some similar, I mean, approval identity, kind of some similar things going on, Rick. I mean, maybe not the same circumstances as Justin, but um, what were some of the things that kind of popped up for you, a uh, couple experiences in, for Refresh around identity? 
Yeah. I mean, so much of what Justin was just saying, I'm resonating with because, uh, in many ways I was, you know, different situations, but similar stories, uh, because I was, I was in this kind of spot where I was desperate to hear from God on kind of what future looked like, you know? Um, and, uh, so much of that was centered around work and church world and kind of where God was leading. Um, but it was pretty clear that in the beginning of the second refresh, I came in with a question that I was asking and, uh, and I can remember the first time just alone listening, like it was crickets. I mean, it was just nothing. I, I heard nothing. And I was like, I'm doing it wrong. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, uh, I need to go fix this. Um, and I can remember being at the uh, beginning of the second time and just being like, God, I need you to answer this question. And I just remember this little, little still voice of God saying, well, that's not the question I want to answer. So it's so funny you say oh, that. Because, right? <laughs> Justin? Sure. That is exactly, that is exactly what he was going through. Because you were trying to figure out, you planted Fieldstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it didn't happen because you came to refresh, but that, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a conduit vehicle just to put you in a sure. zone or whatever. But um that was the thing I remember you like, should I take over a church? Should I be a campus pastor? Should I plant a church? You remember yeah. that? I mean, it's been five years now, right? Yeah. But that's so funny that the two of you are here and we're talking about this because yeah. same well, thing. I think that's the common human experience is looking for the answer to the wrong question, right? I mean, you could spend right. a whole podcast yeah, talking seriously. about that and all of a sudden God shows up and course corrects, you know? And I will tell you, there is a 100% batting average at our experiences. Yeah, People come in with an agenda and a question. Josh is shaking his head. Audience can't see that, but Josh is shaking his head. <laughs> People come in with a question, like, I'm going to do this because I need the answer to this thing, or this thing is broken in me. And every time, every time, I think, what did you just say? That's not really the question. Yeah. Yeah. So that leads me to this kind of question, or maybe... Um, yeah, question I have for the two of you. You're pastors. Uh, you're also men. Mm-hmm. But you're men before pastors. Your husbands, your yeah. fathers before pastors. Yeah. But as pastors, you got to a place, whether, Justin, you didn't know it, or Rick, you clearly knew it, that you're exhausted, you're tired, and worn out. How does that happen? I mean, because you know a lot about God. You know more than most people about sure. God. But how does that happen? Well, I, I think for me, um, I hadn't experienced, because I grew up in the church. My dad's a pastor. I was a youth group kid. Didn't even really have that big rebellious streak that that uh, a lot of pastors' kids have over the years. But um, I had never really discovered, um, I don't know if this is a great way to say it, but kind of spiritual growth on purpose to where when you're growing up the way I grew up, there's always a Sunday school teacher. And after that, there's a youth pastor pushing you, hey, memorize these verses. Hey, have you looked at, are you going on the retreat? And after that, it's Bible college, right? And you have professors who have been there and done that, and they're doing what your youth pastor used to do. And all of a sudden, you're off in ministry, and there's no one pushing you, there's no one pulling you, there's no one in your face. And all of a sudden, you're on your own, and it's like, oh, well. And, and you don't even think about words like rhythm, right? Or, or, or uh, things like, and so you just... You find yourself living off of 
your experiences as a kid or as a teenager, but that only goes so far, right? At, at some point the tank runs out. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and, and you're not getting there on purpose. You're just not getting where you're supposed to be on purpose. There, there's no, there's no rhythm to it. Mm. So what would you say to that, Rick? Yeah. I, I mean, in, while I'm discovering that much of Justin, my stories are similar, I would say that'd be one of those things that may be a little different. I didn't grow up in, you know, as a, as a church kid, we grew up going to church, but I didn't take, I didn't start following Jesus until I was 17. And, uh, and so I started following Jesus to the best that I knew how is kind of according to my personality. And so, uh, as we've already exposed, I was an accounting undergrad major. And so everything in my life, I'm, I'm task oriented, I'm task driven. Uh, everything has a place and it's organized. And so for me, I, I viewed my relationship with God that way too, mm-hmm. you know? So my relationship with God was the way you grow in your faith is you read your Bible, you read this much of your Bible, this much of time, and and that's not bad, but you have to you have to discover the heart behind what you're doing. And so my heart was to get it done so that I looked like a good Christian, mm. so I looked like a good follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that did not bring about intimacy. And so what I was doing is I was doing all the right things, but I was never connecting to the heart of God in the midst of it. And it wasn't until um, I don't know. I was probably in my mid twenties that I began to be challenged on that, but I never actually held on to it as a lifestyle until seek well kind of came in. Well, that, that I think <clears throat> I grew up in the church, you know, uh, saved at five, but you'll often hear me say, I started following Jesus when I was 33. Mm-hmm. And it is the most frustrating thing in, in this world to me. Um, that we can know so much about God mm-hmm. without knowing Him. Yeah, and I, I'm not the. We're not the only one saying this. There's a lot. There's a, actually more than a few people out there saying it. Um, but I think that's something that we don't get as Christians. Yeah, predominantly. I mean, I mean, would you agree with that? We can know God without actually knowing Him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people know about God. I mean, again, even when I'm telling you this, like. Keep in mind, when I was struggling in these rhythms, I was going through seminary. Like, I was in Bible school. I was getting a master's of divinity, a master in God, you know? Like, and, uh, and it was... A master's in... in yeah, hang on, let's, yeah, quote, let's yeah. just push pause uh, and quote that. Yeah. I was getting a master's in God. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah, but the reality is, is like, I, it was... In, and again, it was all like, I was doing all the things that I was told I needed to do, but... Again, the truth of the matter is, is why I knew a lot about God. I mean, you hear this all throughout churches. It just never makes that, you know, yeah. that, that little travel from your head to your heart. And, and for a lot of it, for me, it was, I was going through, I'd had these moments and those were maybe the things I was living off of. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is I kind of viewed those as unique moments, these unique times that God kind of spoke to me. And I, and I read about it in scripture. I would read about, you know, Jesus's disciples post-resurrection having these incredible encounters with God. And I thought, oh, that's just a unique time and in in scripture. And that's not for me, but it is, you know. Do you have a master's in God, Justin? I do not. <laughs> I have an undergrad in Jesus. <laughs> he just laid it down, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> 
So, uh, so I totally resonate with what you're saying, Rick, yeah. because I remember growing up as a kid and, and from what you were saying earlier, Justin, I, I think you probably had similar experiences. I remember going from worship to service to worship service mm-hmm. and really going from high to high. And that was really what my relationship with Jesus looked like. Hmm. You know, camp to camp mm-hmm. as a teenager. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, worship service. to, But like you were saying, Justin, somewhere in your 20s, you know, because churches don't have predominantly great stuff for the 20 to 35-year-old, yeah. um, it was like, well, it's on me now. What do I do? And you're right. just kind of left with your own brokenness, and you're like, well, crap, I am messed up. So knowing about God doesn't equate to knowing God. So, Justin, what does knowing God mean? And knowing God. And maybe I should even say, can we even know God? That might be even a place to start. Yes. Um, Obviously can't search the deepest depths of God and know him. I don't think he's asked us to do that. Um, But knowing God, that's where the relationship comes in. Rick already said it, for the, that journey from your head to your heart where you've heard some version of the truth and you've said, yeah, I'm in. I, I believe that. Um, I trust that. I, I'm, I'm all in on that. And that's, and that's where uh, you can compare it to a marriage relationship or knowing a best friend or whatever. You can know a lot. You hear people talk about uh, the weird thing of following celebrities on Instagram or, or Snapchat or whatever. You can know more about people in the world than ever before in human history. You can know every single thing about them that they want you to know about them, but have zero relationship with them. That's what I think a lot of us experience with God, especially those of us who grow, who spend time around church or hear Bible verses or whatever. Um, but knowing God is about saying yes to that relationship. Like, I want you. I, I want you in my life. Uh, and so it's maybe knowing isn't even the best word. It's, it's having, like I, I have you and you have me like, this mm-hmm. is, this is it. Um, I think about the word. I mean, I've used the uh, analogy a lot. If I knew everything about my wife, but I didn't know what her voice sounded like, do I really know my wife? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And so I, that's why this word intimacy yeah. pops up. When you hear the word intimacy, Rick, which is a super weird word, yeah. like, you know, Bill likes to say closeness, which I think is a way better word. Mm-hmm. But, but when you hear the word intimacy or closeness, what do you think of specifically as, you know, it relates to your relationship with Jesus? Mm. Man, there's, there's so many things that kind of come to mind. You know, I think, um, I think being a dad has helped me in understanding this uh, because, you know, I see, I see when I come home from work, you know, I'm in the sweet spot where my kids are still young and are excited when I come home from work. Uh, but you know, there's just that desperate desire to be close, you know? And so, uh, when I think of intimacy, I think of, I think of it's, it's desire, you know, it's this desire to spend time with Jesus. And one of the things that I've learned is that, you know, going back to my wife, if I only wanted to be close to her one time a day, would we really would be all that close? Especially if my mentality was, I just have to get this done. If I do this, we'll be okay. 
The reality is, is no, we wouldn't. Um, but we we are close because we share life with each other. We walk with one another throughout the good times and the bad. We share with each other what's on our hearts, and we we have these ongoing conversations with each other. We check in with each other throughout the mm-hmm. day, you know. And so that has been one of the rich things that I feel like I have discovered new and fresh in the last few years. And when it comes to my relationship with Jesus, experiencing that intimacy is that that it is not just this simple like thing that I do one time during the day, but it's become a journey throughout the day where I am, I'm seeking to be close with him regularly, you know? So it's, yeah, I still have my time in the morning where I carve that out, but truthfully, it's a, it's a greater time now. You know, I have times throughout the day where I'm connecting at the end of the night, I'm coming back and I'm, entering back into his presence and this, this opportunity can stay connected throughout my day. Yeah. I just, I just want to spin off the word desire there. Um, especially for anybody who might be listening to this, who's struggling because they're, maybe they're not experiencing what we're talking about. Right. And, and and they want it, Mm -hmm. they long for that. Maybe they have that desire, but haven't seen it kind of bear fruit in their life yet. Um, just to remind you, like if you have that desire, that desire in itself is a sign of God's presence in your life mm, because without so him doing that work in us in the first place, the desire would never exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if that's, if you're there and you're like, man, maybe I need a refresher, encourage, maybe I need, you know, whatever, um, take heart. If that desire is there, you're headed in the right direction. So good. One of my favorite verses in scripture is Jeremiah 29, 13. And it says, if you seek, him with all your heart, you will find him. Mm-hmm. And in, in conjunction with that, my favorite quote of all time, and I really do think this was like, it's one of the best quotes of all time. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity, it's the closing line of his book. I mean, who has a mic drop like this? He says, it's the last line, but look for God and you will find him and with him everything else. Every time I read that, it's like, I can't wait to close the book because it's so yeah. good. Um, but it, it speaks to the desire. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit up about our pursuit of Jesus. Um, the name Seek Well really is all about our pursuit of Jesus. How do we pursue him? How do we seek him? And so it comes from desire. If we have that desire, that's the first place that starts, it wells up within us. Um, how... Like, how are you pursuing Jesus, Justin, on a day-to-day? And here's the caveat. You cannot talk about your church. You can't talk about your professional job. Like, we're going to pull that back. So message prep doesn't count. (laughs) Retreats don't count. How are you pursuing Jesus daily? And then second, what's your biggest frustration about your personal pursuit of Jesus? Yeah. Um, Well, maybe I'll answer the second one first for me, because... My frustration uh, is that in the midst of the daily things and the weekly rhythms, um, my desire, like you mentioned, the mountaintop experiences of your youth and things like that, I don't, I don't have the same desire for those major spiritual experiences that I do in other parts of life, right? Like, when's the next big game? It's going to be sweet, right? When's my next round on the awesome golf course, you know? When's the next, I don't know, Avengers movie? Or, you know, those, those peak life experiences, the next great stake. Um, I don't find myself craving that spiritually as much as I do in other areas of my life, and I haven't figured that out 
to this point. So that's kind of an ongoing frustration. Um, but in the midst of that, uh, on the daily, weekly, routine, rhythm level, um, it's a few things. Um, for me, I close my day with Scripture and time with Jesus. Just can, have never been able to do the early morning, the early morning thing. Um, and then mixed in with that, I, I love just different podcasts. And, and the thing that's probably grown for me over the last couple of years has been leaning into those who have kind of come before. Um, you, met, you mentioned C.S. Lewis. I know that's a big one for you. Mm-hmm. Um, lately for me, guys like Tony Evans and, and N.T. Wright have been ones where like, if I'm prepping a sermon, if I'm reading a verse uh, late on a Thursday laying in bed and like, what the heck does that mean? I want to know what Pastor Evans and what Dr. N.T. Wright have to say about it, right? So mm-hmm. it's uh, kind of at this point in my life, leaning into those who have shown they have the wisdom and the consistency and the mm-hmm. and the heart for Jesus that that I want to experience. And like, well, what do these guys have? I wonder on? if, as you're maturing in your relationship with Jesus, you're starting to realize that those spiritual high moments, while helpful, mm. don't actually produce intimacy with Jesus. Sure, they can be catalysts, though. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I mean. I'm down for the next one. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying like at the end of the day, there's got to be follow through. And so yeah. that consistent kind yeah. of rhythm. Totally. I, I wonder. Yeah. Just, and I can only say that because I yeah. know you. Yeah. I'll process that data next time. I dive into that. <laughs> so Rick, what's your biggest frustration about your pursuit of Jesus and, and what are you doing kind of daily, weekly? Yeah. You know, my, my days, uh, are, our start, they start off uh, in the mornings, just time alone with, uh, with Jesus. Um, I'd like to be up before anyone else in the house is up. I like to be kind of distraction-free, and so I kind of have, have a rhythm where I wake up, I go get make a cup of coffee, I got a chair in my office, and I just go, and that's my God spot. I just go and I read Scripture, I I sit back and pray and listen for uh, a try and make it the first hour or so of my day uh, just alone with with Jesus. And then um, I end my day uh, by just going through, uh, you know, Justin, you said looking at the people who have gone before for you, uh, an early practice of the early Christians was uh, this thing called a prayer of examine. And it's this, this simple practice uh, where you are examining kind of the last 24 hours, your day, and you're kind of just praying over it, asking God, hey, where have where was I not like you, you know? Uh, where and I've been trying to build in moments of gratitude in the midst of it. God, thank you for that moment. That was mm-hmm. a gift to God. That was that was joyful, and that actually was birthed out of a refresh experience where Tim around the campfire once said uh, said something to the extent of unscripted joy. We need to have moments of, and mm-hmm. that just spoke to my heart of like everything is scripted in my life, and I just mm-hmm. need to be thankful more uh, for God the little moments that I don't have control over. So I do the prayer of examine every night as well as part of it. And that will often come with potentially just, you know, whether I jump into uh, a short passage of scripture just to end my day meditating on the word as well. Uh, but I also try, I set reminders on my phone throughout the day uh, to just pause, you know, take a break. And so 
Uh, there's so many apps, a great app out there that you could use to do this. It's called the pause app. Um, there's Lectio Divina apps that you could use. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great little book called the daily, uh, office by Pete Scazzaro. That's a, essentially a, a same type of idea. Um, but I found that when I have the ability just throughout my day to build in a rhythm where I'm connecting regularly, uh, that is really, really valuable for me. Yeah. We, I love all those resources. Mm-hmm. If you're listening, we'll link to all that in our show notes. Um, it, I, it's funny. We all have different rhythms. I love, you know, we, we love that word around, uh, around here rhythm. I am positive that not every day looks like what you just described. No, totally. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Cause it doesn't for me, yeah, you yeah, know, there's absolutely. a, I think there's probably some things in your, in your day that happens like that most days, but you know, life for happens. Sure. So my yeah. question is, you know, what do you do when you get off rhythm? Uh, uh, I recognize that there's grace. Um, and so, uh, I, you know, again, in the early days it was performance. And so if, if that was what my relationship with Jesus hung on, if, if I did not perform or have my quiet time or whatever it may look like, then my relationship with Jesus was hindered. You know, it was broken. Uh, but now I recognize that, uh, there's grace. I mean, if we truly believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and he came to do what he said he came to do then there's grace. And so, um, is Jesus mad at me if I start my quiet time at six 30 instead of six? No, no. Uh, is Jesus <laughs> mad that I didn't do both rhythm or, uh, pauses throughout my, no. Uh, is he oh, mad? I was going to say yes. Oh, well, <laughs> we can differ. Uh, okay. There's grace for you as well. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yes. um, you know, or, you know, is God mad that I fall asleep when I'm doing my prayer of examine? No. Once I, again, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say I'm falling asleep in Jesus's arms, you know, yeah. so, you know, but yeah. you know, I, I, there's just grace. And so I had to get to the point where I, where that was okay for me. Um, and so, you know, and, and the truth of the matter is I have young kids. So like there's nights when they don't sleep through the night and, uh, and full disclosure, my wife takes more of the brunt of that than I do. Sure. Uh, but you know, but there's days when, when, you know, and there's grace in that. And so, but again, part of my desire is if I miss that, I still want to, I still yeah. want to spend time because I want to experience that, that closeness. That That's why that verse in Jeremiah is so important to me because it's about the pursuit of yeah. Jesus. It's yeah. about seeking him and not every day is going to be the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not the same for you, Justin, right? Yeah. No, and and honestly, this week has been one of those weeks where, um, yeah, uh, something Tim you said to me years ago when we first started Fieldstone is that when you sit through a sermon, you know if the pastors uh, had any time with Jesus this week. I had to, I cleared my morning and had to to be purposeful about that today because I was like, I'm going into Sunday, and it has not been that kind of a week, right? It has not been me and Jesus holding hands in the park, and so it happens. But but that's where. You know, again, back to that head and heart thing, like when you're doing it the way it's supposed to be done, it feels the way it's supposed to feel, yeah, right? If, if your pursuit of Jesus is adding guilt and adding a burden, that's not, that's not what the pursuit is supposed to feel like. Mm-hmm. And so I, I try to remind myself in those moments, like our job, as much as we want daily consistency habit type stuff, that, that, that is important. If we're taking purposeful God honoring steps towards him, he's shown over and over in scripture, he's gonna come sprinting towards us. Because mm-hmm. we're not gonna we're not gonna get there. Right. Like, like we, we can take a step, but but we can't get there. And I love I love the verse um 
I think it came up in a session at one point, but it's, um, I think it's somewhere in second Corinthians three, where it says, if we'll turn our face to the Lord, the veil is removed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that sometimes he just wants, just turn your in my direction, right? Like take a look in my direction and, and I'm going to take care of the rest. I love that, Justin, that idea of turning our face towards God. That's where that desire comes from. So let me ask you, I've been thinking about this question a lot in my own life because people tend to come to us when they're kind of at the crossroads of their lives. And I'm sure, you know, you see this quite a bit. So Justin, somebody walks into your church for the first time and uh, you get to sit down with them one-on-one, which I bet you wish you could do that with every person in your church. There's some I'd rather. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Just between us. I'm going to leave that alone. Uh, Don't worry. No one else is listening. That's right. right. I'm going to leave that alone. But you you get to sit down with somebody, you know, I I think like not quite knee to knee, but you're going to look them in the eye. Yeah. And you could tell them one thing about where to start their pursuit of Jesus. What do you tell them? I think where I would go in that moment is start small, um, start with the basics. Um, and from there, kind of uh, in our family, we, we joke about falling down the YouTube rabbit hole, right? You start with one video about some kid falling off his bike, and 30 minutes later, you've watched every podcast video in the history of the world, and you know how big the universe is, right? Guilty. Yeah, so, so start with what question do you have? about Jesus or about scripture. Start with that. Let, let's, hey, let's read this and then get curious about something that grabs your attention. Uh, fall down the rabbit hole of that Bible verse or of that story or of that principle and just allow that to take, because then you're starting with things that are naturally grabbing your attention, mm-hmm. grabbing your personality type and your your interests and things like that, your questions. Um, and so start with those basic things and, and fall down the, the, the trails from there. So I love that because that talks about the desires that are popping up underneath the surface, the pain points we might yeah. have or the questions we might have. But yeah. where do you go uh, ultimately for w- what I would call truth? So oh I've my got goodness. This, right. So I've got yeah. this question about, you know, why do, good, why do bad things happen to good people? Or, you know, who created the universe? I mean, these tend to be the big questions yeah. we kind of think about, or, yeah. and they can be other ones, but... You're sitting down with that person. You say, go down the rabbit hole, but how do you go down that rabbit hole? Like YouTube's not the ultimate right. reality, even though yeah. it's convenient. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the simple answer is start with scripture. That That's where the truth is going to come from. Um, and I think a lot of times um, it's easy to, there's the phrase out there, you know, don't miss the forest through the trees. Right? You, you want people to see the big picture. This is who God is. This is what it looks like to follow him. This is salvation. But at the same time, you know, kind of the yin-yang of that is it's the trees that make up and define the forest at the same time. And so mm. what does the Bible specifically say about this thing that you're struggling with? What is, and so you can, we, we can go in that direction. Here's what, how Jesus handled this situation. This is what the Bible says. And so um, it all has to come from that. Obviously, the Bible is a big picture thing. It's a it's a very large story that focuses the attention on God's glory and what he how he wants to redeem people and all those things. But within that are the individual character points of God and who He is and how He wants us to interact with Him and how do we treat these moments in life or these contexts of life that that we find ourselves facing. So, so you're saying start with desire, go down the rabbit trail. Yep, I love that. 
Rick, what would you say to that question? You're going to sit down with somebody face-to-face. They've just accepted Jesus, and you're like, okay, here's how you pursue Jesus. I wonder mm-hmm. if you might have a different approach. No, I mean, I think I think what Justin said is is spot on. I, I think that I love that 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 word picture that you used of going down the rabbit ha- trail of a rabbit hole of desire. And so, um, but I believe that Scripture has to play a significant part part in it because I think everyone uh, has a desire to live a full and fruitful life. Like everyone wants to do that. Yet, when you look around our world today. Uh, people's lives are being shipwrecked at like an insane pace. I mean, I feel like everywhere I look, people's lives are just are are just kind of unraveling. And I think much of kind of the reason for that is because people are kind of assuming that their truth is 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 what's needed. Like their way of life is going to work. Um, but yet we just find that in many ways, like these things that we think will bring about hope and meaning don't. And so, you know, when it comes to scripture, I think scripture does help us answer kind of the big questions in life that we long to answer and they, and they find its fulfillment in Jesus, in, in, uh, the character of God. So questions along the lines of like, why am I here? What has gone wrong? Like, mm-hmm. how do I fix this? What is what does restoration look like for me? Like, these are questions, you know, Tim, you were talking about the big questions. Like, these are questions that people are asking, and they're trying to hit all these other ways of life to make them work. But again, we're mm-hmm. seeing people's lives unravel because these alter, ulterior things, these alternative things, uh, they, they're never meant to be God in our lives. And so scripture, they, it points us to God. It helps us to answer these things and helps us to bring about that full and fruitful life that we desire to have. And it gives us that foundation of truth that, that we all need in our lives. Yeah. yeah. I love Dallas Willard's like three questions. Have you guys heard, heard his three big questions, right? Uh, why am I here? What's my purpose? And then, uh, what's a good life? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, What's the good life? I think at least it, it feels like in our culture, that's what everybody's really pursuing is the good life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's sort of a, a free and light. The name of the podcast is a little bit of a play on that because everybody thinks they want the American dream, mm-hmm. but what they really want is life to the full and they're not yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Amen. We have, we have a full life, but not life to the full. <laughs> yeah. It, it, <laughs> nice. Bingo. Yeah, nice. it, that's exactly right. So that's why I think scripture is so important is because it ultimately it's like that compass. It's going to point you to true north. Mm-hmm. And it, tell, it, it not just reminds you of what's important, but it tells you how to live that good life. But mm-hmm. newsflash, it's not the thing you think it is. Right. Yeah. Um, so I often point people back towards, you know, the life of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because it just when you read about Jesus, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. No sense at all. Uh, you know, and I always think of scripture like before Jesus, Jesus, after Jesus. Right. And the before Jesus and the after Jesus is super important because it's the character of God and how yeah. we should live and all that stuff. But at least for me, if I could only read one thing, it would be those four books. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, to do about the life of yeah. Jesus and the Gospels. Because if you want to know why you're here and what your purpose is and what's the good life, Jesus tells you. I'll say it, it, it's interesting when you think about Jesus and his life. I, I've heard people say, man, what would, how would Jesus respond here in 2022? How would he respond to this WWJD, political thing? Man. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> how, how would he... Would, 
you know, would we reject him if he showed up today? Blah, blah, blah. Maybe. Maybe we probably would. But like you said, his life didn't make sense in the life that in the time that he lived in the first century, because there were other. Uh, it's funny. I was just I mentioned N.T. Wright. I was just reading one of his books uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he mentioned some of these other saviors who showed up on the scene in the you know hundred or two hundred years before Jesus and and after, and they all kind of follow the same playbook. And those playbooks make sense in their time, right? You do this and this and this, which is similar to what Jesus did. And then there comes a certain point where like, all right, if you're going to make it, if this is going to work, you have to do this at this time. And then if that works, then we're off and running. Jesus, at those key points, completely deviates from the plan. Right. And it works. It's not supposed to work. It's not And so whether, you, whether it's first century or now, like, his life doesn't make sense to the average person's worldview in any century. And yet that's exactly what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. And I think too, Justin, as you were saying this, you, you're talking about like, we're all asking this question, well, what would Jesus do in this time, in this place? And yet we try and come up with the answer in our own intellectual oh, yeah. mind. Oh, yeah. And we don't actually turn to scripture and right. look at what Jesus did yeah. in truthfully, like different scenarios. But if you're looking at principle, we can, we can know what Jesus did. You know, Tim, you said those four books, like we have gospels, accounts mm-hmm. of Jesus's life to learn and see and discover what is yeah. the heart of God in the flesh, in life around us. And so why is scripture so important? Because we get to see what God would do in our everyday lives. We get to see what God's heart and character mm-hmm. look like played out in how we live our everyday lives. We get to see, and when we see that, we and when we learn about that, we actually begin to discover what God's voice sounds like so that we can begin to understand him in the other areas that he begins to speak to us in, because then we get to go, oh, yeah, that yeah. that sounds just like Jesus. Mm-hmm. That sounds just, and that's what God is leading us into. I was just talking to a friend of mine in Arizona, she grew up Catholic, um, and she is in her early 60s, and mm. she is reading Scripture for the first time. Mm. Wow. This is like, it was an insane conversation. It was so good. And I was, I was like, oh, tell me about that. And she's like, I got invited into this women's uh, Bible study. And she's like, I've never studied the Bible before. I was like, I'm like but you've been a, like, a <laughs> believer for a long time. I've always been a believer. But she goes, you know, but I would go to Mass— and they would tell me about scripture, but they never asked me to read scripture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, so I just started asking, so like, well, what do you think about that? What are you reading? What are you learning? She goes, what I'm discovering is Jesus was a freak. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, he was either nuts or he was a son of God. And I should know this stuff yeah. because it's transforming my life. And she goes, and she goes, put, Protestant, Catholic, the whole thing aside, she goes, I'm beginning to know Jesus, not mm-hmm. just know about him. And it was this really profound conversation that I sat back and I went, you just said it. And so what's really interesting, what you were saying is you learn to hear about God. I mean, that's what we do at Sequel. We mm-hmm. take you, mm-hmm. you know, and get you quiet and eliminate the distraction so that you can hear the voice of God. But it's really hard to know what God is saying unless you know enough about him, the character of God, and that is really formed in the pages of Scripture. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I guess my question is, when you think you're hearing the voice of God, like how do you filter that without 
scripture. I mean, is that a trick question? (laughs) (laughs) Is it that simple? I guess that's what, yeah. I mean, every, and and this is what I've always appreciated about SQL and the the different environments is, is you've always been very upfront with people like, Hey, anything you hear, quote unquote hear, um, if it's from God, it's not going to be different from what he's already revealed in his word. Right. And that applies to the life of Christ and what Jesus would do and, Mm -hmm. and capturing his heart and into our heart. Um, you know, let's get theological. John one, one, Jesus is the word made flesh. Yeah. He is God's spoken word in human form. And so his life is the exact replica of what God is looking for out of us. Um, and anything that we hear or do or experience that's different from that, um, it, it all has to be tested against that. But here's the thing. Why are the stats so uncomfortable when you look at how many people actually read scripture who profess to be Christians and how many pastors pray and read scripture on a daily basis? Well, we're busy, Tim. I know you're busy. <laughs> I know you're humans, but I mean, really, yeah. it's, it's, it's bad. Yeah. Well, and, and I came across this stat during some sermon prep a couple months ago that in the early days of the pandemic, when we had far more time on our hands, we couldn't go anywhere, couldn't interact with anyone. We were at home all the time. We had more dead time than we've ever had in our lives. Um, the engagement with scripture among active professing Christians dropped by like 40%. What? More time on our hands. More need for like, what the heck is going on here, Lord? Right? How, what's going on in the world? And our engagement with Scripture dropped. Mm. I literally thought you were going to say the opposite. No. <laughs> I mean, it, I know if you're talking about a, a, an illustration to open a sermon, it was gold, right? Because all <laughs> right. of a sudden yeah, you got yeah, people's yeah, attention. Yeah. But it breaks your heart. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, you mentioned your friend with mass. Look back over church at church over the last 20, 25 years. It hasn't been mass. Maybe it's been the exact opposite. We We've made it very easy and entertaining to listen to someone talk about scripture without the challenge to engage with it yourself and experience Jesus in in the pages. Here's why I think this is so important is because we all want our best life. We all want life to the full. And and so that's why we engage with God, whether it's we go to church or we Mm -hmm. listen to songs or whatever the case is. But if we aren't um, allowing scripture to form us, then we have no context to grow spiritually because we, you know, anything we hear, like we, we don't know if it's, if it's indeed truth or not. I, I don't know. It's just so striking to me how we think we can follow Jesus without really knowing what he did, how he lived, what he said, what we're supposed to do. Well, if you, if you want to know those things, you, you've got to read scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Justin, what you were saying, you know, talking about, you know, essentially this idea of come to church and that's enough for your faith to hang on mm-hmm. until the following Sunday. I think that's so, so much of it. And and we're not allowing scripture to form us into the image of Jesus, but it has to. And I think one of the reasons that I struggled early on with reading scripture is because I was only told that there is one way to read scripture. You know, I was told that you have to carve out. It has to be the same time every day. You have to have the same spot. You have to have this Bible. And that's fine. Like those are things that will help you read. But, but you know, what do you do for the person like me who's incredibly extroverted and mm-hmm. wants to, you know, wants to engage with other people around this idea of scripture? Well, listen, like 
don't get me wrong, to make me a, a fully, wholly formed person who follows Jesus, like I need both extroversion and moments of reflection. Um, but I also need to be told that it's okay if the way that I am going to grow doesn't fit your mold, you know? And so for a long time, I was told like, no, 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 um, like uh, I need to read through this book of the Bible this many times, you know, I need to do this, this, and this. And it wasn't until later where, again, as I was kind of discovering grace, going like, Wow, what if what if I what if I put an audio Bible, you know, the you the Bible app right. on audio and I walked through uh, a park in my, you know, near my house. Like that still qualifies as quiet time, as time alone, close with Jesus. And that'll that is still allowing scripture to to penetrate into my heart, to to come and and begin to shape and mold my mind. And I think some of the times that people just don't experience scripture the way that they 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 need to is because they've not been told it's okay if the way that you that you take in scripture is not the same as your grand grandparents mm-hmm. or your mom and dad or your pastor, you know, like, yes, I like to sit down, you know, with study materials and go kind of dive deep into it. But you know, that's not going to be Are the you same telling for me, <laughs> Pastor Rick, that the message is okay. Message translation. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> oh, I think, uh-oh, uh, I just stumbled onto something so, right here. So I, maybe not as your only <laughs> I, translation, all right? I, but, uh, for sure. No, 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 yeah. no, no. no. I'm not. But if you are looking to get another way of seeing, you know, God's word and God's heart for you, absolutely. I love to look at other different, uh, different translations of the same passage to see the different nuances sure, of how sure. that is brought out. And I think that that is incredibly helpful. I want to turn the conversation a little bit towards spiritual formation. Let me just kind of outline what that is. We are constantly being formed every second of every day, whether you want to realize it or not. Uh, The things that you read, the the music that you listen to, the people you have a conversation, the external things that are going in your eyes and then seep into your brain, then down into your heart. And what ultimately happens, Jesus says, it comes out of your mouth. And so what's happened is our heart and our spirit is being formed. Scripture has to be foundational to how we are formed as human beings. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk a little about real practical. So if we want to um, form ourselves in the image of Jesus, first, let's talk about why that's important. And then second, like, let's give our audience some practical things. Like, how, how would you do that? So why is Scripture so key, Justin, to who we are becoming and how we're being formed? Well, because what we believe is true sets the tone for everything else that comes after that. I think a good example is my daughter, uh, Hallie. She's 12 years old, um, sixth grade, and she was at school a few weeks ago. It was the week after the the horrifying shooting up in Oxford. Mm-hmm. And um, so you, you get rumors, you get... Uh, you know, people making threats and, you know, all, all kinds of crazy stuff, just idiots being idiots. But so she came home from school and she was saying, and, and, and we don't usually talk like this as a pastor's family. Like you think, oh, they just use these and those all the time in all their conversations. But so this was a bit unusual, but she came home and um, there had been some rumors around the school district that something might happen, you know, happen in a lot of places in the metro area. And I said, so how, how'd you feel about that? Were you were you kind of scared at school today? And she's like, no, not at all. A lot of kids were scared, but I wasn't scared. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. How come you weren't scared? And she said, well, all the rumors were coming from Instagram and everybody knows nothing is true on Instagram. 
And then I thought, well, if, if someone tried to do something, our teachers and the police officers would stop them. And even if I did die, I know I'm going to heaven, so there's nothing to be afraid of. And I thought, oh, man, that's wow. crazy. You know, like, How old is she? 12? She's 12, yeah. And, and like I said, th- this isn't like a daily occurrence for us to have all these you know, spiritual conversations. But like, I was struck by the fact that you know, what she said about Instagram, probably a lot of that's true. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's true that someone's going to keep them safe or what, and, and certainly what she believes about heaven is true. But in that moment, the, those three things that she believed were absolutely true completely altered the way she felt about the situation compared with other kids in the same exact context, right? Mm. And so what we put our weight on, what we call true, is going to affect how we feel, how we make decisions, how we live our lives, and what we experience um, inside and outside of our relationship with Christ. It, It sets the tone for everything. And let's be honest, we're all believing in a few things these days that are not true. (laughs) I mean, I know I do. Yeah. Oh, sure. I mean, I think that's one of the hardest things to come to grips with in our formation and our character development is the reality that we could possibly believe something that's not true. And I think, I actually think that's why we distract ourselves with busyness and absolutely because it's like, well, I don't want to be wrong. You know, I don't want to deal with that. And um, John Mark Comer wrote a new book called Live No Lies. And in the beginning of that book, he uses this uh, terminology. I, I, boy, I hope I get this right because it's important. But he says, truth is reality as God defines it. And when I read that, I went, well, that's like the best definition of truth I've ever heard. Mm. You know, because we all, like I said, we all believe things that are not true. And then you have an opinion of one thing that's, you know, 90% true and I have a sure. different, different, different opinion and so forth. And I, again, I don't want to be a dead horse, but that's why I think scripture is so important because if we believe that God's word is the in, infallible truth mm-hmm. and we, anything that is even a degree off is going to form our spirit in a way it's going to form our life, not just our spirit. It's going to form our life, and then we're going to have, you know, you can take the mm-hmm. rabbit trail of the things yeah. you do and the things you believe in people you yep. interact with. You're going to move towards a path you're not going to be happy with. Mm-hmm. And, or, yeah, I mean, a destination that you don't even desire to be at. I remember I remember part of uh, a message I was doing. I, I said, if you start, if you traveled across country from L.A. to D.C. and you were just one degree off, I mean, you would be six hours north or six hours south. I mean, you'd be so far off track, and it's just one, one degree. degree. One degree. Most of us wouldn't wow, even notice good. one degree difference, uh, but yet it completely changes the destination that we end at. Hey, if this conversation was helpful for you, like it was for me, would you do me a favor? Would you rate this podcast and leave a review? It's only going to take about 60 seconds, but listen, it would be a huge help as you're going to help others find this podcast. And if you do, you'll get to be part of telling somebody else that Jesus came to give them life to the full, a life that is free and light. Until next time, seek well. Free and Light is a podcast of Sequel Ministries. At Sequel, we believe that life to the full comes out of an intimate relationship with Jesus. If you'd like to support this podcast, visit us at sequel.org slash donate.